You are listening to Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast with host Maria Nadipov, helping step parents transform family chaos into meaningful and harmonious co parenting. Hi, step parents. I apologize if my voice is a little bit raspy and breaking up. I've been a little under the weather this week because allergies have been kicking my butt. (laughs) But I'm so excited to share this week's episode with you where I had the pleasure to interview Christine Lucan, who is a financial dignity coach, helping high-earning professionals pay off staggering amounts of debt and massively increase their net worth through her financial coaching. She is the author of several books, including Money is Emotional and Financial Dignity After Divorce, her latest book, which she will share with us later in this episode, where she blends wise money management with emotional intelligence. This week, Christine shares her best tips for how to optimize finances in a blended family for individuals going through a divorce or co-parenting after a divorce. We tackle whether it's best for blended families to handle their money together or separately, how to diffuse emotions around money to prevent mistakes you'll later regret, and the number one thing blended couples can do to reduce money disagreements. You don't want to miss this episode, so here we go. So welcome. We're here with Christine Lucan. So excited to be speaking with her. She's a financial dignity coach and founder of Seven Pillars LLC. And we're really excited to talk to her about all things finance specifically. (laughs) We'll dive right in. Christine, welcome. So excited to have you here. So excited to be here. Thank you. How should blended families handle money together Uh, or separate? Any good juicy tips you could give us? We'd be super grateful. Yeah, that is, that's definitely a loaded question because as we know, finances are an issue, usually a primary or at least a secondary issue in about 70% of divorces. And so when you're entering into a second marriage, a lot of times we are coming into that relationship with emotional money baggage that we haven't really dealt with. And I experienced that myself. I went through a rough relationship. Uh, I call it my almost divorce because we almost got married. So other than not having to go to court, it felt like a divorce because we were living together. We had, we had been with each other for seven years. Our finances were entangled. You know, we were Mm -hmm. leasing an apartment together. We owned furniture together. And so there was this process of getting financially untangled from my ex. And even though I didn't have to continue to interface with him after I left the relationship, I still brought money with me. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. some of those negative things that happened in that relationship were still tangled up with my money. One of the things I like to tell people is money is like the third person in your marriage. So even though you left your ex, you and money are still together forever right? You have a relationship with money. You're interacting with it pretty much every day in some form or fashion, whether you're earning money, spending money, managing your money, you can't really get away from it. So the first step to have a healthy financial dynamic in a blended family is that you have to get right with your own money first. And so some of that has to be some 
introspection about how do I currently feel about my money? Is there any residual issues or feelings that I have from my past, you know, whether you've been divorced or not? One of the best exercises to do this is to write a letter to money as if it's a person and get out all those feelings. And you might be really surprised at, at what comes up from this exercise. And I think just identifying and being aware of some of those issues is helpful going into the new relationship because we can hold the sins of our ex against our current partner. And I was guilty of that too. I would give my husband ultimatums and say like, if you ever do this, you know, I'm breaking up with you while we were dating. And he was a completely different person. He had never given me any indication that he was going to do the sorts of things that, that my ex did that upset me. And that caused friction between the two of us. And I think if I had had that tool previously to be able to kind of uncover some of those things and realize this is something that I have to work out with my money, that I have to release some of these past feelings and let them go so that I can have a clean and fresh start with this other person. Now, anytime you've got two people coming into a relationship, you've got different emotional money baggage. You have different ways that you were raised to think about money, to handle money. So we come into this relationship, not just with our baggage, but with our preferences of how we want to manage things. I don't have any objections to couples handling some of their money separately. But I will always give this caveat that separate money doesn't mean secret money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really super important that there aren't any financial secrets in a relationship because that's really going to doom things from the start. Would you agree? I do. I completely agree. And thank you so much, first of all, for pointing out it's so interesting how many parallels there are between what you're describing and these patterns that we learn from childhood. We're so heavily impacted by our experiences and how our family may be thought of or handled money, or even sometimes media, I think largely like the shows that we watch will often and how characters are portrayed in different socioeconomic classes can also, whether consciously or subconsciously impact all of those ideas that we have about money and what it means and what it means to have money or to not have money, et cetera. And most importantly, these patterns, like you said, through our experiences, either on our own or with others, when we're more mature and relationships, as we, as you mentioned, tangle our lives or maybe certain decisions, like maybe it's investment partnerships, maybe it's business partnerships and those experiences, how much we're emotionally invested in those. And then that those leave imprints that we need to be very clear about identifying and working through in order to be able to cleanly and successfully move on from those experiences Mm, with understanding and clarity. And in order to be able to create 
whatever it is we want to be creating next in future relationships and future endeavors, et cetera. So that's fantastic. And I mean, definitely shows up. Um, I was going to say emotional baggage is what I was kind of thinking about as you were describing some of that. Um, yeah, it, very it, much it definitely is. Yeah, very much similar things to unpack and become aware of. And for sure, as you mentioned, it's not always easy. And especially when we're too close to it, just not aware that some of those things are playing out like a tape that plays in the background. Mm -hmm. And we're so used to hearing it that we're not picking up that it's playing and what it's actually saying to us. We just sort of absorb the ideas and take them on and yes, to slow down and be able to unpack that. And I do think it's a very personal decision about whether you're going to handle things completely combined or you're, yes. if you're going to have some sort of a hybrid model. Yes. I don't think it's, I, I think you're missing out on a lot if you're not combining at least some of your money, because when you're handling money together, you need to communicate and to talk about money on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I have found that for some couples, especially if they're receiving child support, that the parent who's receiving child support wants to have complete autonomy over that money and how they spend it on their child or their children, especially if they are still making joint financial decisions with their ex-spouse about the children. So when you've got things like school activities and sports and what kind of clothes are they going to buy, et cetera, that sometimes it does help to have some of that money separate. I always tell people that the reason that we would want to have some money separate is to reduce conflict, not to increase conflict. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You're so right. And I also loved, I want to underscore the point you made earlier about separate money isn't secret money. And it is so critical to be able to have these conversations. And if already we're not comfortable. That's a big red flag that, Hey, we need to address this because you're so right. A lot of the conflict that occurs often in romantic relationships, especially those that come marriages or are legally intertwined. It does create a lot of conflict, understandably so, because it's such a huge investment (laughs) and we work so hard (laughs) often for, to be able to make those kinds of investments and decisions. But you're also right in that having some of these conversations, when you make a choice to come together, at least with some of the financial pieces, whether it's having a joint account or just making some of the financial purchases, et cetera, together and learning and making it a priority to communicate about that. It's almost mm-hmm. an opportunity to work together and grow together and learn that skill set in this scenario, but then apply it in other areas of the relationship. Absolutely. And I think this can be more of a challenge for individuals who are leaving a relationship where there was some sort of abuse or financial control. A lot of people don't realize that in 97% of abusive relationships, there is some sort of financial abuse. And that means restricting access to money, et cetera. And For someone who's leaving a relationship like that, the other partner really needs to understand that that person has a lot more emotional baggage to deal with, and they may absolutely need to have some money separate in order for them to feel in control. And it's really not a reflection 
on the other partner. Yes, absolutely. And so well said. You're so right. I think that often when we think about abuse, we don't consider that aspect. And I've definitely heard of the idea of golden handcuffs, if you will, where Mm -hmm. the household is making good money. And one of the people has a really well-paying job or they're an entrepreneur, what have you. And the other person is so controlled in how they're able to make financial decisions to the point where they almost can't make any. And every single purchase down to getting a cup of coffee or a bottle of water is scrutinized and Mm -hmm. they feel like they can't go anywhere. And financially, they're completely dependent. So they also feel like they're trapped in this situation. So yes, that's such a really important piece to the puzzle and to understanding that and just raising awareness of that all all around. So thank you for bringing that up. Moving on (laughs) to our next question. Um, How can someone diffuse the emotion around money issues so that they don't make a mistake that they'll later regret? Well, I think the most important thing for people to realize is that we can't take emotion completely out of the picture and that's okay. We are human emotions are a part of who we are. And so we can't just turn that off completely. And we really shouldn't turn it off completely because I don't know about you. Anytime I have gone against a gut feeling, even though logically the decision that I'm making makes sense, but I have this feeling in my gut that something's off. Anytime I haven't honored that feeling, something negative has come out of that. So it is important that we consult our emotions. However, when we're going through divorce or even coming out of divorce, when we still have to deal with our ex-spouse, emotions can spike. And I like to say that the voice of reason is always there in our head, but it's kind of quiet. It's always in the background. It's always there. Emotions can be very loud or they can be very soft. They never go away completely. So if you almost think about it like two radio stations, Mm -hmm. you know, your logical radio station is kind of like that quiet classical music that's always in the background. It's always there. But if our emotions are loud, like rock music or rap music that's being played at volume level nine or 10, we can't hear (laughs) that voice of reason. And we need to remember that when our emotions are high, usually our common sense is low. We can't, we can't hear that voice of reason. We have to let our emotions subside and then decide because we want to be able to quote unquote hear both that gut check. We want to be able to consult our emotions, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we also want to be able to consult that voice of reason. If you are feeling highly emotional, we can take a step back. Most financial decisions do not need to be made on a dime. If your ex calls and says that he wants your son or daughter to do some really expensive extracurricular activity, and you know you're going to have a really hard time paying for half of it, rather than exploding, 
on the phone. We can just say, right now I'm feeling a little bit emotional and I don't think that this is the best time for me to make a decision about this. I'd like to sleep on this and let me get back to you tomorrow. Most of the time, the other person, they're going to be fine with that. Or you might even need to tell them, I can't discuss this right now. I want to sleep on this and I will, I will call you tomorrow and then we can talk about it further. We can do that for almost every financial situation. Most of these large decisions do not have to happen immediately. One of the other things that we can do is find a physical outlet for our emotions. I am a huge proponent of exercise for getting out anger, getting out frustration, getting out anxiety. If you have to run on the treadmill, if you have to take a kickboxing class to get that frustration, that anger, or whatever those negative feelings are, to allow them to be released from your body. Because what happens is if we don't honor our emotions and allow them to be expressed, we're basically trapping them in our body. And the problem with that is if we suppress them long enough, eventually the pressure is going to hit a point where it's going to explode. And most likely it's going to be a little thing that might even be unrelated to the original thing that's caused us these emotions. And we end up blowing up at our spouse when we're really mad at our ex, or we yell at our kid when we're really mad about something our ex said or did, just to get those emotions out. For other people, it might be journaling the situation. They just need to get it out on paper and just get it out of their head. But whatever works best for you, don't deny the emotions. Don't suppress them. Figure out the best way for you to feel them and process them and release them, then that way there is a much greater likelihood that you're going to make a better financial decision that you're going to be happy with both now and later. Yes. I'm just smiling as you're saying all these things because it's stuff that we've already talked on the show several times about. And I so 100% agree with you. Often I talk about how trauma and any negative thing, not only do they poison the air for anything good to happen <laughs> because yes. hello, but also we literally store those things in our bodies physically. And sometimes even not only moving our body, but just changing an environment, we instantly can feel, especially maybe some of those more than others who are particularly prone and sensitive to energies, but we can literally feel just the, the whole energy around, the dynamic around us change and our mood and the way that we are experiencing things literally shifts on mm -hmm. a dime. To get more of those tips, we actually did a whole podcast episode about it at synergisticstepparenting.com forward slash 11. It's called seven key components of a step parenting sanity routine, but really we all could use them. <laughs> yes. They're all things that I've tried and many others that I've worked with have also tried and I swear by them. There's something for everybody. And just like you said, the key is not what it is. It's everybody needs something a little bit different. It's about listening to yourself and recognizing what it is you need and taking the space to figure it out and actually do the thing. 
And the other thing I just wanted to mention as you were speaking, I think you were alluding to feelings coming out sideways. The thing that recently has been coming up a lot in my conversations is sometimes we're angry with ourselves for not having our own back. Mm. Those situations where somebody is making a strong argument or we feel like they're trying to convince us and then go along with it. Maybe it's a people pleasing thing a little bit, or maybe we don't have access to why it's not a good thing or aren't quite completely in tune with our intuition and don't fully trust it yet and aren't able to stand firmly in that. And so it's easy to kind of get swayed. But then, like you said, that's where I find that stickiness of those negative feelings and resentment really comes in in huge waves because it's a missed opportunity and it wasn't something somebody else did. It was up to us to show up and speak our truth and most importantly, honor our values in that moment. So again, just so many (laughs) reasons why tuning into this Mm -hmm. is so, so important. Yes. Boundaries. Um, Yes. You know, yes, we have personal boundaries, but we do also have financial boundaries. And also giving yourself an opportunity to be heard by the other party who's also involved in the decision because maybe they didn't consider those points. Maybe that's something that's going to be really beneficial for them as well in making that decision. So, so important. What's the one thing blended couples can do to reduce money disagreements? Well, we already kind of mentioned that (laughs) talking about money Mm -hmm. regularly, because if we have these conversations on a regular basis, then we can course correct before things get drastically off track. Well, Christine, you have given us so many fantastic tips. Thank you so much. Tell us what's coming up for you and where we can connect with you and find all the things. Yeah. So my third book has just been released, Financial Dignity After Divorce. And that is all about how to heal your relationship with money. So yes, it is about those practical money management steps, but it is also about the emotional side of money and the psychology of money. And uh, people can find me at my website, which is my name, christinelukin.com. If they want to go directly to the book, they can go to financialdignityafterdivorce.com. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you again. And it was such a pleasure to speak with you and thank you for all the fabulous tips. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And thank you to Christine for her priceless actionable tips. To recap, we discussed number one, whether blended families should handle money together or separately. Number two, financial trauma, what it looks like and what the individual healing through it needs. Number three, how to diffuse emotions around money to prevent mistakes you'll later regret. Number four, having your own back in your financial decisions. And number five, how blended couples can reduce money disagreements. Check out all of Christine's links in the show notes and check out her work and her fantastic books, including the new one, Financial Dignity After Divorce. I hope you found as many golden nuggets in this conversation as I did. Please share this episode with one to three people you know who are going through a divorce or are co-parenting after a divorce. Because one of my goals is to support individuals touched by divorce to live their best lives. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us and leave a review. We've got the steps for how to do that in the show notes. Until next time, my friends, be well. Thanks for tuning into Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you don't miss a thing. 
If you like what you hear and you find the information helpful, please rate us five stars and leave a review letting us know what you like about the show on Apple Podcast. Don't know how? Don't worry. We'll include instructions in the show notes. And if you know of other step parents who can benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. John Swain did our theme music. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.